Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello, this is episode 16 of the designfootball.com podcast. My name is Jay. I've been away, but I'm back now. I'm the resident blogger on designfootball.com. Today, I'm joined by uh, Colin Ford, who is a long-term kit industry insider in various forms. Hi, Colin. How are you? Hi, Jay. Delighted to be here. Thanks very much. Okay, so tell us how you got into um, the kit industry or sportswear industry because it's it's taken many many forms how the work that you've done so how did you get into it originally i started when i was a kid uh when i was about 10 or 11 i got a box of crayons and uh i got a ruler and i started designing football kits on um i was really more interested in the football kits than the football at that stage uh my mother worked in an office that shared you know was shared with the umbro distributors at the time this would have been around about probably 80, 84, 85, probably. And, um, you know, I kind of ended up kind of spending days after school in there just wandering around the Umbro warehouse and just got an interest in it from that. You know, didn't really know what I wanted to do and I kind of fell into into retail. So the most obvious progression for me was to be in sports retails. So I did. I went straight into that and started working with football boots and football kits and, you know, was happy as slurry, as they say. That's that's. I mean, that that element's interesting because I've heard that so many times just running this podcast. Where <laughs> what first got you interested? All oh, right, well, I got a piece of paper and I was drawing football kits, and and we also hear that that comment that it was we we're more into football kits than we we're into into football. So I think for me and people I talk to now, that's the way it started, and that's how it's ended as well. So we we watch less football now, but we're still interested in the kit design as we get older. So we, there was a period where we didn't care about kits. We were massively into the football, and then that, that went away probably when we stopped, when we realised we weren't going to become professional footballers. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, then we, then we said, oh, no, the kits, the kits what it's really about. You don't want to play football, no. Exactly, yeah. No, I just want to look the part. It was like, you know, you know, one of the biggest encouragements that I got was I got a very encouraging letter back from Mr. G. Scott, who was the, the sales manager. I got a very encouraging letter back, you know, praising my designs, and uh, they gave me a free football kit. And uh, hang on, I'm a paid designer. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so that was the famous uh, Scotland kit with the, with the hoop on the shorts or the band on the shorts. And, uh, you know, that was me then. I just, just kept designing football kits. And, uh, yeah, so that's, that's pretty much how I get into it. Yeah, yeah that, that, so if you still got that kit now, uh, I still have the short uh, shorts and socks. I don't know. It was a, a massive cull in my collection when I moved out of my house, uh, out of my mom and dad's house. You know, when I got married and moved into my own house, and uh, I left all my most prized shorts in, in the attic, including the Liverpool 1978, the shorts and socks of that Scotland kit, and you know, a few other 
shirts that I kind of tend to salivate over now when I when I when I see them online. And I went back one day to get them, but two years later, and oh, what are you talk about? No, no, we cleared out yet. So uh, yeah, that was uh, one of my most devastating moments in life. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, it's all about those shorts. Quickly on from that. <laughs> yeah, uh, the. I noticed the other day, just on that subject, a goalkeeper from Hibernian in yep. the sort of mid mid eighties. He actually had a goalkeeper goalkeeper kit which had, I think, it was silver shorts, and they had the the purple hoop on them. I'd never seen that before. Yeah. I saw it the other day. No, that's right, because that kit generally was just, was all silver. Even the the socks were silver, and like in those days, that was you know that was pretty cutting edge, like getting silver into a dye to be able to kind of put it onto a kit and they use it for the goalkeeper's kit. So I've never, I've never seen the shorts or talking about it. That's an interesting one. I've never seen those. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll send you a picture of those later. Um, okay, so so then so you left school, you get into so, so what area of the industry did you get into then? Um, I decided to that. that Okay, I'd done a few other bits and pieces first, and uh, I decided, look, you know, I, I'm better off working in, in a shop, in a sports shop, because that's really all there was at the time. You know, I was 16, 17 at this stage, a manufacturer or a supplier, because so, I didn't drive. So uh, I went into AF Burns, which was in Capel Street here in Dublin, so some of your listeners may remember that, and it was mainly a, a shoe and sports shop, and I learned quite a lot about football boots from from working there. And then I went on to various other places and ended up in Champion Sports in '92 when they opened up. The brand is still there, but it's a it's a different company running it. But uh, the the best job I ever had was go wear a buyer for for Champion uh, from '95, and that was literally just looking at brand new football kits and deciding which ones I wanted to put in the shops, and uh, <laughs> they paid me for it. <laughs> It was like, you're paying me for this? Okay, cool. Uh, so, yeah, so, you know, there's an awful lot of, of interesting stuff. We you know, we brought Juventus shirts in from a company called Art Blair in Scotland who were the agents for Kappa. And and this guy was a guy working out of a shed in Juventus shirts throughout the UK and Ireland. And <laughs> when I think of it now, when you look at it now, you know, if you're a retailer trying to hoops, you have to jump through with Adidas and with everybody else. And uh, I just think back to those times and think this this for me was the golden era of football kits. It was literally in a shed somewhere in Scotland. Um, you know, had the agency for Kappa. I remember the first order I placed with them was for 24 Juventus shirts. And, uh, you know, sold them quite well. But it's just something I always think back to when I, you know, when I see a new kit launch, I think, geez, I wonder what lad that used to run our players up to these days. Because that's, <laughs> you know, it was just like little did they know how big this thing was going to become in those days. It was beginning to get bigger, you know, around about this period. But it was just, you know, we had we had Juventus, we had Barcelona, Middlesbrough as well, of course, because you know, they moved to Area at that, at that stage and had them too, bizarrely. Um, but he just had the Middlesbrough kits. He didn't have the Area brand or anything. He just happened to have Middlesbrough kits, so he bought some yeah. of them. But um, yeah, so, I mean, that was, you know, the retail. Then, like, all, all good things that come to an end. Uh, then I ended up having to get a proper job for a while, which was... <laughs> Just having to do a proper job in telecoms. <laughs> uh, although I do actually credit myself a little bit with uh, the sponsorship of the Aircom League of Ireland. Uh, when we rebranded as a telecom and rebranded to Aircom, and I pestered and hassled the marketing guys, you know, really get the brand out there, really get into the League of Ireland, that's the way to go. Sponsor the Irish team, take over from Open, do all that. It's great. <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, and you know, in fairness, once 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 the uh, the the court order and the injunction finally ran out, I was back down again to thank them for doing it. So you know, um, <laughs> but it was it wasn't football. 
let's face it. Yeah, it's, was... it's um, yeah, it's uh, the the thing with Aircob is because obviously League of Ireland, there's there's the tie in there, but also with um with the national team, there's there's more of they're more synonymous than you you would usually have with a an association sponsor because the the logo appears on the front of the shirts, doesn't it? Which is a yeah, it's, but... it's a strange thing. As it's come about, obviously it's more recent. It was Opal in the nineties back then, but um, it's, yeah. it's been Aircom uh, more recently than that. And is it three now? I think isn't it? It's three now. That's correct. Yeah, but it was um, Opal were the the first to do that. There's a guy called Aaron Loburn who was the the marketing manager for Opal. He apparently be the man to to really get the definitive on this, but apparently he was the man who insisted that all the shirts had the the Opal logo on them had never been done before certainly hadn't been done mainstream international teams replica kits before and apparently he was the guy that said to them yeah we'll do this deal yeah we'll give you this money but you know we want our logo on the front and ever since that day that's just you know every FAI deal that they do with a, a commercial sponsor seems to have that built into it that the replica shirts will all have the of the brand on it it's uh, reasonably unique yeah it's uh it's, it's not particularly popular uh I, I mean a lot of irish fans will will complain about it being the, on the throne something i noticed recently which is i suppose an uh an instance of life imitating art someone put an island kit on on our website um probably a few years ago five or six years ago and instead of having the aircom logo on the front it was on the lower back so oh. that that's sort of a compromise so it would still be on the shirt but it wouldn't sort of it uh, arguably ruin the shirt at the front by having it there and, and obviously not what the players wear. Um, but I've noticed Barcelona are doing that next season or, or certainly up until the point, they're going to be retailing the shirts like that up until the point at which they get a, a new sponsor and they're just having the UNICEF logo on the lower back and they've got nothing on the front for next season as things stand. I think that'll probably change, but the shirts are available without a front sponsor. So it's just... Uh, something I noticed recently. That's right. Yeah, I think they'll, they'll probably have beak though on the the left sleeve as well. Um, but you know, it's a, a scenario where Barcelona are holding out for more money from a, a different sponsor, and you know, as we all know, leasing nine months a year in advance in terms of replica generation, etc. So it looks like they've made the decision to go with an unsponsored short, certainly for replicas for the the entire season, and and if they do decide to put something on the front of the shirt then it'll be fairly unique to the players but it looks for this season anyway yeah i i, I mean i've looked at that shirt and i don't know I, I want to really like it but it's it's the whole new nike vapor thing and uh, I'm, I'm struggling with it it's it's meant to look like the 92 shirt and i'm not sure the one that they won the well they didn't play it they played a, in an orange shirt in the final in the orange the, yeah, yeah, but in, it was the uh, the first season that they won the European Cup, and that was it's it's sort of a nod back to that twenty five years, I suppose, isn't it? Is that right? That seems a long time, but I suppose it is. God, yeah, uh, nice. I remember it like yesterday, Ronald Koeman. <laughs> yeah. Oh, anyway, yeah. Look, don't get me started on this year's Nike kits. We, that's you know we we need a, an entire other podcast for that. I don't know. I'm going to talk about it later on, but. The, the Nike kids for this year, it's just it screams one word conform. That's, yeah, that's what it screams. Yeah, yeah. Never, never mind your club looks like this, it's conform. We have decided this is what you will look like now. Conform, yeah, it's uh, it, it could be construed as a, as a sorry state of affairs, but 
I mean, as Nike will say, if if you want the players to play to their optimum level, then you're going to need a kit that looks exactly like this. So, uh... absolute bunkum. <laughs> and we should talk about this later on as well about how how the early days of all this sort of stuff got debunked by Milan U and Polytechnic. But anyway, sorry, go on. We'll, we'll keep we'll keep going. Um. Yeah, so so that's that's pretty much how I got into it, and that's you know pretty much how I ended up in two thousand and three. Um, I you know I was kind of I was working in a well the same job I'm in now. I uh, started a sportswear company, a sportswear distribution company, and we distributed Cellsport, uh, goalkeepers gloves for Ireland. Uh, we distributed a brand called TFG. Don't know if you remember them. They yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, later became Super or Super League, which became TFG, I think, the other way around. Um, they used to do quite a lot of lower league teams, quite a few Scottish teams, um, all cut and sew stuff, a lot of it manufactured in, in Scotland, just outside Glasgow. So we did a bit with them. And uh, then we were lucky enough to land the, the, the deal with Theodora. Um, and uh, Theodora more or less took over our company. And, you know, we became just the, the Irish agency, if you like, or the Irish distributor for for Deodora, and uh, that's where the fun really began. Okay, so this was the same company. So you were a distributor for TFG and Salesport, and then that progressed on to being a distributor for Deodora. Is that right? Yeah. We kind of got Deodora UK company. Um, Didn't make sense for them to have a separate company, if you like. Apparently it was an accounting thing. Um, they, They kind of, they will do all of this. You just go out and do the sponsorship. So, I took over for for Ireland, did a small bit in the UK, just really consulting with that. You know, when they had West Brom, which even though it was a sponsorship, West Brom actually manufactured the kits themselves, put the Deodora logo on it, so did a little bit on that. And, uh, you know, obviously did an awful lot here in Ireland, both League of Ireland, Irish League, and the GAA as well. Um, So, unfortunately, it came to a sticky end, but we met Waterford United for the first time on the 15th of Feb. And we had the deal done, all kits delivered, uh, ready to go for the first arch. So we were delighted about that. And that was the first team that we, we ever actually did a deal with. Yeah. Um, so, sorry, just go um, back to something you said a second ago. Uh, when you mentioned cut and mm-hmm. sew, what, what do you mean by that? Okay, well, you, you understand that a lot of shirts, particularly going back to you know the late 90s, early 90s, would be you'd have kind of a, a batch of material with the design of the short in it. So if it's a red and black striped short, uh, the companies would, would buy reams of material in red and black, and then they would cut the short to a pattern, like a, a tailored short that you might buy in Oxford Street, but, you know, not the, not the same quality, obviously. And it was very good for wear, and it, it looked well, which is when we started getting panels. We'd get mesh panels, we'd get nylon panels, we'd get other bits and pieces to put technology into. Uh, quite expensive way of manufacturing football shirts. They look well, they're also quite limited in what, what you can do. So, for example, if you wear pink and blue stripes, you're not going to be getting the cut and sew short unless you're looking at probably 10,000 pieces. So that's what this company in Scotland used to do. They used to manufacture all the shorts through cut and sew so they'd, they'd buy material they designed a shirt they'd be all fairly plain designs for example you had a Plymouth Argyle shirt that was bottle green and had a white panel insert down the side by the bottle green material they'd buy the white material they'd form the pattern and then cut and sew literally stitch the white panel to the green panel on, on one side and then do the same on the other side and uh, they'd manufacture the shirt that way and then attach a collar to it 
They have to wear cuffs to attach cuffs to it. So um, don't know whether they still use the same process for cutting sew shirts now, but that's that's the way they used to do it. That's, that's the way it was originally done. You'd have a template for each size. And when we talk about template kits, obviously, you know, this is where it comes from. You have literally this kind of template, as in a piece of wood that you put down, cut the cloth around it. And that would be your size medium. And then you'd have a front and a back mm. and sleeves and you'd stitch them all together. And that's your shirt. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. So, yeah, it's it's interesting where you, where you come from that. And obviously, you, the top of the range shirts like Adidas and Nike are, are doing things in a way um, which borrows from that. But I suppose um, the cut and sew elements are still part of that. Yeah, I mean, at the moment, I'm sitting here in a Hamburg shirt from 2014. Okay, so I'm just looking at this while it's on me. It is a cut and sew shirt. Um, there's a lot of technology in it. You have, but I'm looking at seams. You have a seam where the three stripes ends and the sleeve kind of starts. You have a mesh seam under the arms, which goes right down the side. You have the collar stitched onto it. There's an awful lot of seams. This is a replica version of the shirt I'm wearing. The hmm. shirt the players would have worn would have been a seamless version. Uh, it would have been either a tech fit or um, 2040, yeah, probably a tech fit shirt. So there'd be zero seam. It's, it's the way to put it is constructed as one piece. And it's quite expensive and it's quite time consuming to get that right and to put all the technology into it, which is why when you see a player's shirt retailing for 120 pounds, you know, that's the reason for it. You see a replica shirt, which would be mainly put and sew with embroidered badges and, you know, a printed logo. Mm. But the reason why the player's version is more expensive is it's it's a lot more time consuming, a lot more technology, and you know it's it's probably a, a much better quality garment as well. So yeah. even, even before you any compression technology they they put into it, if you technology into it, you know it would be it would still be kind of a, a much more difficult process to make that shirt than your standard, which is you know mass produced in factories wherever. Okay. All right. So we've we've suddenly jumped to the to the present there. So we won't worry too much about that. Go back to, to what was going on with with Diodora in particular. So uh, you started uh, supplying kits for for teams in, in the League of Ireland. Is that right? So Waterford United, yeah. you mentioned. Yeah. Um. That same season, we you know well, you know the following season, then we had Dundalk, Monaghan United, um, brought in a couple of others as well, and the process for those was a lot longer, which gave us more time. Um, but what we found was happening was when we'd order, for example, a stock shirt for a team. Okay, I'll give you an example. Portadown, we had them for the 0405 season because obviously they're still a winter season in the north. Mm-hmm. So we had Portadown. We chose a, a stock shirt, which was you know a team wear shirt basically. Uh, it had these little dots on the side, which you know were supposed to heat, you know, change color as as it <laughs> heated up. It had compression technology. It was kind of a one piece. It was a fantastic shirt. Um, Players liked it. Supporters hated it. Uh, the reason they hated it was because it was so tight fitting. It didn't matter what size you got. It just, you know, it just clung to you, which was the idea for a player's shirt, but for a supporter, not so much. And obviously, we weren't going to produce different versions of this shirt, given that you're probably looking at quantities of four or five hundred. So it just wouldn't be economical. But we'd earmarked the shirt for Porter Down. They were playing in the UEFA Cup or the Europa League, whatever it was at the time. 
And we placed an order for shirts for the players, which we had to bring into the country and get branded up here. So we'd operate with that is we'd order the shirts that come into us blank. We'd use the approved crest, whatever sponsors, logos, whatever name and number font they wanted. And we'd get that done in house here in Ireland before they were due to go for their uh, Europa League tie. Um, we got the players shirts in and we branded them up. When everything was fine, made sure one policy I had was every club we had three different colour shirts, home, away and third. And if the third kit is never made available commercially, if you like, we had a pre-order system for the home kit. We had 180, that number, 180 pre-order shirts, which were the same shirt, basically just without the names and numbers. Rang up to find out what was happening with my shirts, only to be informed that, well, we don't have them. I said, well, hang on, I booked them on the system. Like, <laughs> where are they? The Maltese FA have taken them. <laughs> I just sat there, What? a deal at the Maltese FA, they need them. Oh, boop, boop, boop. <laughs> and you can imagine the fun and games I had trying to explain that. It's like, you know, this was the start of the Morecure side, the, the side that, you know, as a football supporter or a football kid supporter, you never really want to see, but unfortunately it's out there. So this was the start of it. Yeah, it's uh, it's a big shame when things like that happen because I, I look at the I, I think we put the the football kit world on a pedestal and we we don't imagine that I mean we, we've all done, done different jobs and worked at different offices and we know how inept the industries could be if not just companies <laughs> the industries and but the, you seem to think that sometimes you you slip into the feeling that the football kit industry will be a different case and I've heard some horrendous stories and and stories that I couldn't even say on here because it would get me into such trouble I mean <laughs> trouble that I can't even mention what sort of trouble it would get me into <laughs> because it's so serious it, some of the things that go on are, are just staggering but that's kind of life, isn't it? That's that's business, and these things will happen, and you just need to make do as as best you can when these situations come up. I suppose but it's it's good for your next interview when you go for a next job. Give, give me an example of a situation where uh, when things went wrong and you had to sort them at short notice. I suppose. Yeah, it was. Um, well, what we did in that situation was we contacted UEFA. Uh, we asked them if we could uh, use, you know, if Portadown would be allowed playing their their away kit. You know, could we put them in white? Because I think the team they're playing were, were playing in yellow, yellow and green. And uh, yes, the other club agreed. Ported down agreed. So what we did was we, we, you know, we were able to get our hands on the white version of that kit. So that's what we did. We 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 kind of we swapped it over for you know anyone who'd ordered a replica shirt. We told them, oh, low kit in the first game. Do you want that one instead? So yeah, anyway, going straight to hell. But people are happy in the end. And so, so I suppose it kind of it got us out of a hole, but it's not something I'd ever like to have to have to repeat ever. It was a it was a hairy week, let me tell you. But anyway, yeah. So I mean, the, you was you were obviously based in Ireland, but mm-hmm. you were dealing with with other Deodora clubs around. I mean, were you dealing with teams in Scotland, for example? No, it, we dealt with the Scottish FA on some things. Um, right. Funnily enough, at that time, Deodora only had one. Scottish club, if I remember correctly, it was Elgin City, um, I think, and they wore a team wear shirt called the Bomber, black and white stripes. Uh, open to correction on that one, but I think that's I think that was the situation. There was only actually one club side, um, even though they had the, okay. the national deal. Um, yeah. So you know, the, the only reason they, they they had Elgin, I believe, was the agent for Scotland 
had some sort of in there and was asked, look, we're struggling for a kid supplier. You're the national team supplier. Any chance you'd help us out? And I think they just did it. Just, you know, it was small. It wasn't going to cost them much. They just said, look, yeah, we'll do it. You know, and that's yeah. uh, that's what it was. So so they, they had a policy at that stage that they weren't going to get involved with clubs. They did go for Celtic. Um, they had, I know they had Rangers. Sorry, I know I'm digressing here. The Deodor brand was on the Rangers kit at the time, but it right. wasn't Deodor. It was okay. manufactured by TFG. So, yeah, okay. So the way that worked was Rangers paid Theodora royalty to use the brand name, but they had yeah. complete control over everything, like complete. You could not buy a Rangers shirt unless you bought it from Rangers retail or from Rangers wholesale. Um, they designed the shirt. They sourced the manufacturer. They did absolutely everything. They did it really well. They did some fantastic kits. But, you know, if you look at Theodora kits at the time and look at Rangers kits at the time, was always unique when they had the Deodor logo on it. Um, mm. So I don't really, you know, people are sitting there listening to that pretty range. Hey, wait, what's he talking about? We had Deodor. Yeah, you had the Deodor yeah. brand, but, you know, we weren't involved in it. Would have loved to yeah. have been, but, you know, it's done. You know, we got money and publicity, but they, they looked after absolutely everything else and did it really well in my view, but sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it means we don't, we can't blame Deodora for the orange away shirt then. No, no, we can't blame Deodora for that one. That was certainly, <laughs> I sat down with uh, the head designer. Uh, it was a fantastic designer. She was excellent. And, uh, you know, they'd sent the cads through and she was sitting there and I swear to God, there was a tear in her eye. And she said, I think I did this. <laughs> we're, gonna, <laughs> we're still a Scotland kid. Scotland's kid good, is good, isn't it? Yeah, it is great, but uh, no, I mean it's uh, it wasn't great. But some of the kids, like the home kits, I thought were good. I thought you know, I thought they, they yeah. really did a good job. And away kits are away kits, are, you know, they're, they're generally yeah. going to be nasty anyway. But sure, that's a oh, that's no another story. It's a, it's a great shirt. I, I think that's a fantastic shirt. I think the the design was great for the time, and it, I think it stands a test of test of time now as well. So if you look back on it, it's a good shirt. But it's just it's a it's a bold move to. Send Rangers on the pitch in a in a bright orange shirt. I think there's like there's connotations, I suppose. Yeah. Um. So so you say that you dealt with the the Scottish FA. Is that something that you did personally? Then. Um. Okay. So there's there's a number of aspects to this, if you like. Um. There was the the lad that looked after who had the you know who was the account manager for the Scottish FA was a lad called Bobby Brown, and he he would fill twenty of your podcasts. He worked for Umbro when they had Liverpool in the seventies and eighties. He worked. He was. He's been in the business donkey's years, but he was kind of at Diodora, and I think it was kind of through him that Diodora got the the, the Scottish FA deal. Uh, we would have worked closely with Bobby because initially he was brought in, if you like, you know, to us to to act as a sounding board. If you can imagine, we're these guys who are enthusiastic, who know the Irish business, but don't know the international business. And uh, one of the things he asked us to do was, he went on holidays and he said, listen, we've been scheduled to the SFA, would you like to go along to it instead? And I went, yeah, love to. <laughs> but uh, ended up designing, uh, well, talking about the designs for the, the, the upcoming new kit. And, uh, you know, we're across at Michael, who's led the work to me, and we ended up convincing them that gold would be a really good colour to have on their shirt. And uh, mm. went back to the designer, and um, and she came up with the, uh, you know, the navy blue shirt with the with all the gold trimmings and um Scotland have had some fantastic kits but it's it's up there I think in my opinion and uh where we got the gold from was 
skull are saying, well, you know, our colors are navy, white, and red there. Our colors, we don't want to deviate. You know, gold is a rich color. It enhances pretty much anything. But you put gold and navy together in the right tone and the right way, it's it's going to look striking on the pitch. It's going to be it's going to be something that will stand out. It's going to be something that people will, will remember. Okay, also, you, you would have dealt with a lot of players individually as well. Is that right? Absolutely, yeah. At one point, it, between the Irish League and the League of Ireland, which you know we were directly responsible for those two leagues, uh, we had something like 45 players on our books. And you know, the idea was we didn't give any of them any cash. We gave them three or four pairs of boots a year. And in return for that, we got to use their image. But also in return for that, we got first refusal if they moved to England or Scotland. Um, one player was Kevin Doyle when he was at Cork City. And uh, Kevin was a fantastic lad. He really was. He could not do enough for us. Uh, we, you know, we gave him, I think, three pairs of boots when he was at Cork City. And uh, he'd be on the phone to us. He'd be saying, oh, boots are great. They're fantastic. He'd be giving us sales leads. You know, like, I mean, now this is a, a footballer who's down there, you know, banging in goals for Cork City on the cusp of a, of a move to Reading. And uh, he's actually on the phone to us saying, listen, there's a club down here. Look for a set of kids. I've told them, can I give them your number? Or, you know, will you talk to them? And, uh, you know, he'd tell anyone that listened about how great Diodora boots were. And I remember saying to him, I said, Kevin, you know, I really appreciate this. I said, you know, it's, it's fantastic, but, you know, you're, you're going above and beyond here. And he says, oh, no, I really like the boots. And to be fair, he gave me free boots. No one's ever given me free boots before. I'm going, okay, fair enough. So the day came and uh, Kevin transferred to Reading and he rang me up and he said, hey, did you hear the news? And I said, I did. I said, I'm delighted for you. It's fantastic. He said, oh, yes, I can't wait. He said, listen, uh, the club are on to me. They want me to wear Puma boots because we're sponsored by Puma. And I said, well, okay, well, it's, it's up to yourself. I said, Kevin, in fairness, you don't actually have a contract with us. You know, it's, it's up to you if you want to do that. We'd love you to stick with Theodore. And he goes, oh, no, no, I want yeah. to stay with Theodore. I love the boots. You know, you've really looked after me. It's been great. And uh, I said, fantastic, right. So got on to the head of Theodore UK and I said, uh, Kevin Doyle's just signed for Reading. Um, you know, he was, I think he was put into the Ireland squad about three days after that, after the signature had been announced. And I said, he's going to be an Irish international. He's going to be a really good, good player. I said, he's a good lad as well. I said, let's look after him. Let's just give him the, 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 the basic pro deal, which is as many boots as you can eat, you know, and as much kind of leisure wear as you're allowed to wear type of thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll do that. And uh, so, you know, passed on contact details. And uh, a week later, Kevin rings me. He says, uh, uh, did you talk to anyone in the UK about my boots? I said, yeah, yeah, I passed it on. I said, you know, what's the story? And he goes, well, no one's contacted me. So <laughs> I said, fine. Got on the blower again. I said, listen, Kevin's been on to me. Do you want me just to send them over boots? Just keep them going for now until you guys get sorted? No, 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 you can't do that. Uh, your, your allocation is only for Ireland. Uh, no, we'll take it out of our allocation. It's fine. Uh, we'll, we'll do it now. And so they would have had his boot choices. He had a boot preference. It was the totty, uh, totty boot he used to wear, the kind of white and red one. And, uh, you know, it would have had his size, etc. Just off-the-shelf boots. Nothing, you know, just nothing to it. Literally pull them off the shelf, put them in a box, send them down to wherever he's staying. Thanks very much. Job done. Um, and they didn't do it. And Kevin rang me the following week and he said, look, he said, the, you know, I've, I've no Diodora boots to wear. I've been wearing Puma boots in training. The, you know, the club were pressure me to sign up with Puma. What will I do? I had to tell them to come sign up with Puma. Uh, and, I, you know, I just kind of, I, I got on, you know, I sent, shall we say, a strongly worded email to uh, Theodore in Italy and said, told them, look, mark my words, this guy is going to be, you know, a top-notch international. He will play in the Premier League regularly. He will score goals. We could have had him for six pairs of boots. 
he's gone to Puma and we won't get him back. And mm-hmm. they kind of shrugged their shoulders. And well, look, as regards him, the rest is history. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a pity. And so the rest of his career, is he, is he still playing now or is he retired now? Yeah, he's playing in uh, the US. Who's he playing for? Um, Salt Lake, I think. Is it Salt Lake? I'm not sure. Um, okay. He's, he's still playing, all right, yeah. He's still playing, yeah. yeah. But um, he wore Puma for quite a while after that. I don't know. I kind of I lost interest in it then, obviously, when I, when I yeah. moved away from that side of it. But yeah, he did wear Puma for the, for the next while anyway, certainly, because obviously they were looking after him. Yeah. But yeah, that was a, a weird one. Now, when when I think of footballers that that wore Diodora, there's one that springs to mind immediately, which is Roy Keane. Oh, yeah, uh, and obviously uh, an Irish, quite a famous Irish international player as well. Uh, yeah. Did you have, ever have any sort of dealings with him? Uh, I did. I met him once, and I met him at a Diodora sales meeting, and unbeknownst to us at the time, and this will give you a measure of how professional the guy is. This was either the same day or the day after he'd been shown the door at Manchester United. And he came in and he was, you know, couldn't have been nicer. He obviously spent a bit of time talking to me and my colleague who were over from Ireland. He asked us what boots uh, we thought he should wear, what boots would go well in the Irish market, how could he help what we were doing. Um, He talked a little bit about, you know, he was evasive about Manchester United. Um, I will say that. But at no point did he give the impression that he was unhappy. At no point did he give the impression that something, you know, terrible had happened to him. And imagine how terrible that must have been from Twitter with the club that he loved that, you know, well, you can leave, good luck. Yeah. Um, he, you know, he kind of sat in the meeting with us and uh, we discussed different sales strategies. He you know, came up with a few decent ideas himself. Um then it came to his boots for the following season. And Deodor were looking at a black, white, and red version of the Ativa. The Ativa boot was his boot, which was black with a kind of fluorescent yellow stripe. Yeah. Came in a few different colors in the end, but the one he wore was always that, the Ativa. Yeah. And uh, he sat there and kind of said, I don't think we should do that colorway. And everyone kind of looked at him. He said, no. And it was the only time during the meeting where he kind of looked at him and said, oh, Interesting. What's that about? No, I, I just, I think, uh, I think go with something more neutral or do do <laughs> do a few different colorways, uh, but certainly do white and green anyway. White and green would be a great one to do. <laughs> and uh, we're sitting there going, okay, so we did. His boots were going to be white and green. You know, a couple of weeks later, he signed for Celtic. Um, but uh, yeah. he was he was an absolute gentleman. I have to say, he was. You know, he, he, I know. Okay, he was going into a, a business meeting. He was going into companies are probably paying him a few quid but you know hmm. to, on the day or the day after what happened to him to come in and to be as professional as he was I mean I'd always had a lot of respect for him as a footballer but I'd never met him so you know couldn't comment what he's like as a person but that's the one time I actually met him and I have to say I was impressed hmm. um, you know you look back now you know knowing what we know now you know at that meeting you kind of go how did he hold it together how, we, a lot of people just wouldn't have bothered oh, no, I can't come in I'm sick I'm injured. I have to do something else. But no, he didn't. He came in, did yeah. what he had to do, and you know, off he went. But um, I mean, in, in general, there, there there must have been loyalty towards Diodora anyway, because Diodora were a, a major player in in the boot industry at the time. But I'm sure he must have been able to 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 get bigger contracts from, say, a Nike or a Puma or a, an Adidas around that time. Would that be fair? I'd say you're absolutely correct. But one of the legends that used to go around the Diodora offices. That um, 
Roy had a inane dislike of Ali Dasson. Like he, he just did not like him. He wore high tech before Theodora. Uh, yeah. He liked smaller brands. He liked the idea of being the big fish. You know, he's actually making a difference to that brand. So I think, hmm. yes, it would be fair to say that he probably could have named his price with Nike or Adidas or, or Puma or any of the others at that stage. But I think he felt himself that he was he would be better looked after. Uh, all it was for him was he just needed the tools of his trade, which were his boots. He wasn't interested in anything fancy. He just wanted to know that the boots he was going to wear were reliable and suited him. And obviously they were handmade for him as well. Uh, but he would have got that pretty much anywhere. Hmm. I think, yeah. you know, yeah, I think... You know, to be fair to him, yeah, I think he was loyal to the Theodore and because because they looked after him. You know, he was one person that was absolutely one hundred percent looked after very well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but yeah, he was a great ambassador. We actually used him to get into the GAA. But anyway, that's another story. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so I mean, I, I wouldn't think of Diodora as having ties with the GAA, but but Roy Keane actually acted as a go-between there. That that's a strange story. So they'd never done a deal with an actual contract, you know, where there's a signed contract with a foreign brand before. Um, it just wasn't, you know, in terms of sportswear. They had a nod and a wink with Adidas at one stage in terms of, you know, the Adidas rep would turn up and give referees boots or give players boots or whatever. The deal we actually did, and it was on the back of, the, they liked the idea that it was there was a, a Roy Keane link to it, was that we would supply the referees with, with boots um, for the championship season. All referees and linesman um, uh, would, would wear you know and in return we'd be the official boot partner of, of the GAA the second element of that then was they have this international rules series where they play Australia it seems to be a mixture between Gaelic football, Australian rules street fighting oh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, but um, they said to us look you know none of these guys you know have, have boots they, they have boots but they buy them themselves or the club buys them or the county buys them so we agreed to sponsor each and every player with, with boots on that tour. Because at the time, the tour was in Australia. Theodore were huge in Australia. Couldn't collateral over there. Everyone's a winner. And then, then the boots didn't arrive. Mm. Yeah, I know. So the boots arrived for the referees. Then come the end of September, guys were traveling down under. And, uh, you know, we had the orders in. We knew what boots people wanted. What with the furious kind of email trail between myself, Theodore Italy, and Theodore Australia to see if they could source boots. We all looked like dopes, and uh, and it was just another another thing that went wrong that shouldn't have gone wrong. Mm-hmm. So yeah, a huge opportunity lost because you can imagine being the official boot supplier. Puma kind of had a deal with them was with the with the GPA. Um, you know the Gaelic Players Association, which is kind of like the the PFAI. That any player that you know was stuck for boots, PM would give them boots type of thing. But as I say, that was you know with the the Gaelic Players Association wasn't with the actual GAA itself, so it didn't extend beyond intercounty players. But yeah, uh, huge opportunity, huge opportunity lost, and something I kind of still scratch my head about these. This you know to this day, you're talking thirty pairs of boots, they, they they couldn't deliver them. It's just. You know, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. So that's um, that was that was the GAA and Diodor and Roy Keane. Um, so it was around this sort of time. I'm thinking then that I don't know whether this contributed to it or not. But you decided to move from what we could see as the dark side of being sort of the muddy side of things of of supplying to then coming into the club side, so being on the game side of it. And you, where was it you went then? Was it? 
UCD was it? Which uni- what is that? University College Dublin, is it? That's correct. Yeah, I went to, to UCD, um, who were the Premier Division at the time. Um, team made up of mixture of students and journeymen. Um, so a lot of the players would have been students at the college on a soccer scholarship. Um, then the more experienced heads would have been journeymen coming towards the end of their career, but you know wanted to be able to kind of still play at a high level and like the idea of uh, helping to bring kids on or wanted to get into coaching. So it was a good mix of players that were there, a really good group of players, really good management and staff. Um, the only problem was that the people didn't come out and watch them, so this is going to be part of my job to, to try and get people to actually come out and watch the team. So. Okay. So what was your role there? So the reason they're delineated was the FAI paid half my wages and the club paid the other half. So I was there full time working on various different projects, uh, one of which obviously was, you know, um, trying to maximize the sponsors, uh, if you like, (laughs) exposure um, in terms of, you know, how we can kind of use the kit to get them exposed, how we can, you know, how we can get people to kind of actually think about the brands that are supporting the club. All that kind of stuff. So, um, like, to answer, I suppose, the original question is that, you know, did, did that kind of thing regarding the boots not turning up for the GAA under 20 players? Yeah, it was all that. If you multiply that by 20, um, <laughs> then then that's, you know, the straw that broke the camel back was we did a deal with Bohemians, a famous old club in Dublin. Um, we designed absolutely cracking kits for them, delivered them on time, which was amazing. And uh, then... The replicas were just delayed and uh, missed the Christmas market. That's when I ended up going to UCD. You know, famously, Theodore did a kit for Crystal Palace and uh, the first mm-hmm. batch, I don't know if you remember this or not, had yeah. Crystal, yeah, C-H-R-Y-S-T-A-L. And I can remember the head of production, walking, happened to be in the office that day in, in, in uh, Manchester, head of production, walking into the office, slapping a shirt down the table <laughs> and shouting at the top of his voice, tell me what's wrong with this shirt? <laughs> And we all looked, and it took us a while to twig. He said, since when is there a H in crystal? <laughs> and I was like, literally, you had eight people sitting around their head in their hands. And uh, the head guy goes, so that's a sample, though, right? Uh, no, this is the first batch of replicas. Oh. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, yeah. So it was stuff like that kind of thing that would happen that would just, it would be so destroying. Yeah, so, so then you're in, you're in sort of the fiery line of when things go wrong then, aren't you? Because... Then you're on the other side. Were you dealing with with the manufacturers yourself then? Were you dealing with someone, the equivalent of your position then? Yeah, I was, but we were dealing with O'Neill's who, on the design side, nobody could ever accuse them at that point of being um, cutting edge. Right. But what you got was what you got. And if they said they were going to have it at a particular time, if they said it was going to be this design, it was this design. Mm. If you asked them for something in particular, they got it for you. So that was how I got to see how it should have been done. Um, and, you know, O'Neill's been much maligned over here by, by I suppose, you know, pub team and teams. Ah, we ordered the stuff, didn't turn up. Ah, it's taken six weeks, it's taken this, it's taken that. Huge sign in their offices in Walkinstown. Failure to order on time is not our problem. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. what it says. It's it's like it's just so it's it's just so out there. You know, you must order by the given deadline. If you order by the given deadline, we will deliver. And to be fair to them, they were fantastic. And if I asked them to do something, they just did it. And even down to we're sponsored by Budweiser. And you can't obviously, you know, the club being sponsored by, by Budweiser, you know, the, the link there is obvious. Students, 
booze, happy days. But it was kind of coming more into a time of, well, you can't really be seen to encourage young people to be, you know, Budweiser were getting very edgy. Um, it was the longest running sponsorship in Irish football at that time. I think it was since, since they'd entered the league in 87. So it was probably going, maybe it was 84. In around, so look, 20 odd years at that stage, anyway, it was gone. Mm. But, you know, the days were numbered as they put it themselves. You know, the days mm. are numbered of us being able to do this. It's going to come a time when it's going to be banned. Now, it hasn't been banned yet, but that's that was their thinking at the time. Yeah. So, you know, it said, well, look, okay, we sell kids replica shirts. We're not going to put Budweiser logo on them. That's, we're not going to do that. I said, how about, you know, we were doing this this thing with show races and the red card. I'm not sure if you're mm-hmm. familiar with that. Maybe you know listeners oh, yeah, might yeah. be, uh, but they're they're you know they they're a multicultural organisation that promote um, you know every people from every culture, every colour, every creed being involved in football, which is the way it should be. Football is football. It's you know be your religion and all that other rubbish outside. And yeah, I approached them and said, look, you know, we, you know, we we did this team poster which was show race and red card, and you know all the players sitting there with red cards, etc. And uh, I said to them, look, you know, how about we put your logo on the front of our shirts when we're playing at home for four games, four games in the middle of the summer. And uh, they were delighted. They said, yeah, this would be fantastic. Yeah, you know, why not? And uh, I'd already approached Budweiser and they, they were delighted with the idea because they wanted to be seen to be the kind of brand that will go, hey, we'll get behind a good cause. It's not all about our brand name. And mm-hmm. to be fair, they were well behind it. They were delighted with it. University were over the moon with it. Uh, show race and red card were quite happy with it. Just left the FAI, so I sent an email to the FAI. Bear in mind, I'm you know I'm semi-employed by the FAI at this stage. I send an email to my contact in there and say, "Listen, we have this initiative, and um, we've got the local community involved in it. The you know Chamber of Commerce are getting involved in it. The um, the Mayor of Dundee." of Dublin that UCD is based is on board we're going to do a huge launch for it. and what we want to do is we're going to do all this just for four games and then we're going to raffle off the players shirts and give the money then to multicultural causes in the area and the guy's team said that's a fantastic idea brilliant he says great heard nothing week later you okay to do that then um, there's a problem I said, well, what do you mean there's a problem? Well, show races and red card wasn't registered before the start of the season as, yeah. as a sponsor. I said, they're not a sponsor. I said, it's a community initiative. No, 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 I can't. Sorry, you can't do that. I, I just said, what? <laughs> I just, I thought, I thought I'd seen it all. <laughs> I thought I'd seen and heard it all. And, oh, how wrong I was. But I was like, so let me get this straight. This is your initiative. You, the FAI did this wonderful initiative to bring show races and red card on board and it was it was great we're going to the schools with it we're going into clubs with it we've you know we've got the the local campuses is on board everybody's on board with this yeah but you see if we let you do this then you're gonna have another club who want to put billy bob's stop and go on their short next week and something else the following week and you know it's going to dilute the fact that 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 club sell one year sponsorships or two year sponsorships i want that was the most mental thing I've ever heard in my entire life. But look, yeah. that's that's what we were up against. Um, I have to say, to be fair to the FAI, that was the only time that they, they really kind of, you know, left me scratching my head. For the rest of my time at UCD, I found them very supportive. Uh, I think they've lost their way an awful lot now, but that's another story again. <laughs> um, but, you know, yeah. at that time, it was, it, it was interesting. We, you know, one thing I really loved about UCD was they didn't change their kits every year. They got at least three years out of each kit. 
um, each kit design. I mean, obviously, you know, they'd have a different set of kit each year for the players, but the kit design would stay the same for three years. Um, yeah. And I really like that. But uh, you know, I don't know. It was just, it was doomed to failure because three miles down the road from where UCD played, you had where Leinster rugby played. And that's, you know, it was a rugby area. So we were kind of on a hide into nothing. Um, we didn't manage to increase the numbers people come to games we did get a lot of awareness out there we did bring a bit of commercial revenue but unfortunately it was never going to be you know at the level that that we all wanted to be at which obviously then necessitated we decided was going to go and do something else okay so so then after that experience is that where you returned to let's call it the real world again so we, we leave football again there do we? yeah we do we leave we leave football then I had a brief stint in Zori in Waterford, um, uh, very brief. And he brought me in to, you know, as a consultant to have a look at the soccer market, looking at, you know, again, junior clubs and, and smaller things. And if we want to get into the League of Ireland stuff, we have to give them stuff. And he just couldn't get his head around that. And I said, look, yeah, that's that's kind of the way it is. That's, that's the way it's gone, you know. And uh, so then I said, look, I'm banging my head off a brick brick wall here. Like, you know, um, I'm going to have to go and get a proper job. So I did. And... Uh, God, it was horrible. But anyway, yeah. So uh <laughs> they, they did reasonably well in GAA for a while though, didn't they? I think they did. They had Waterford Sligo. Um was it for Mana? I think they might have had. Um yeah, they did they, they did quite well. They still have Waterford GAA and they still kid out all the referees, all of the, the um GAA referees. Um so that's you know, that's something that the, that that they do at national level as well as as all the Waterford stuff. They do quite a bit of uh, club stuff, and they did actually go into soccer in a really small way, um, but it didn't really take off for them. And they've they've done a bit of rugby actually, a bit of rugby union. So, um, they're kind of concentrating now, I think, mainly on on the club side of the the GAA. You know, and that's to be fair, that's probably where the money is for them. So that's that's what they're doing. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. So, um, then Alan Goff was appointed manager of Longford Town, and he said, "You know what?" He said, "You'd be a good kit man." I said, "Jesus, do you think so?" He goes, "You would, yeah. You know all that rubbish." I went, uh, "Okay." So he says, "Yeah, tell you what, come down to Longford with me." Went, okay, cool. So, ended up getting the the Longford Town kit man's gig, and that's uh that's the next part of it, I suppose. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a different role again. So. What you did with there, you did with referees, you did with other clubs. Is that what happens? Obviously, you're laundering the kits and so on. We spoke to Shaky a couple of weeks ago, and he told us some of the goings on that happened as a as a kit man. But 
how does it work in terms of because especially with your background of, of choosing colors you I mean, you've had an influence on the scotland kit so you, the look of the kit is important to you does that c- come into what kit your team wears when they're playing away and that kind of thing absolutely um Longford, I have to say, were very traditional. Um, they had a red and black striped shirt, black shorts, black socks, and then yellow shorts, blue shorts, blue socks as the away kit. Same every year uh, at that time. Okay. Regardless of, you know, whatever manufacturer, whatever design, they were the colours and that was it. There was reasons for it. And again, you got to respect the club that, that say, no, these are our colours, this is what we stick to, and here's why we wear them. So it was kind of limited in, in what I could do. Um, what I found really strange was that I suppose the chairman of the committee chose the kit. Uh, this is at Longford now. They chose, you know, the, the mm-hmm. manufacturer. They they dealt with the manufacturer. Um, so literally, you know, my first day of preseason training, I went up and, you know, we had training kit that was delivered. That was, it was the bargain basement of, 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 of kit that was available but okay fine you know what as a kit man you work with what you're given you, you, you can't kind of sit there and start moaning about what you've got you know you just you just you just work with it and that's it so there was no club crest on anything and that was a huge bugbear for mine and i went to the chairman i said jim look you know we're we're league of Ireland football club you know when these guys are are out you know on their way to matches on their way to training or out training when they're training you want people to know we're long for town let's put the crest on them I said, you know what? He said, I wanted to, but you know, the kit supplier wouldn't do it unless we paid them. I just went, what? He goes, yeah, they they, they wanted six quid per 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 badge. Hmm. Uh, well, now in fairness, you're looking at probably three hundred items. You know, for a club like Longford Town, it's yeah. eighteen hundred quid on, on just training where you know, obviously the kits were were branded up, yeah, properly. But on training where you know, he said, look, I, I just couldn't do it. I went, okay, fair enough. Um, but as I started then, I was kind of, I was, I was new to the whole, you know, setting up a dressing room and, and, you know, kind of listening to what players want. And I didn't really know that element of it. I'd never seen it from that side before. So it was a bit of an eye opener when the first day, you know, for the first match, you know, we've done a few training sessions, the first, first League of Ireland match, uh, the captain came over to me and says, uh, just look at the captain's arm And I showed it to him. No, no, I don't want that one. I kind of looked at him and went, <laughs> it's it's a captain's armband. No, 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 no. It's the wrong color. Oh well, of six different colors here. Do you want to pick one? And he chose black. I said you can't have black. Black is a black armband. I said just pick one of the other colors. And he goes, no, no. I always wear black. That's it. Okay, so that was fine. Left it to him. Goalkeeper comes up to me then. He says, uh, oh, he says, no, I I can't wear a green shirt. I said this is on match day, and I'm going. What do you mean you can't wear a green shirt? No, it's it's bad luck. I said, oh, well, look, there's a yellow one there. Where's the yellow one? Yeah, I don't like yellow. I went, right, okay. Well, we've got green or yellow. Take your pick. I'll go with yellow. Will you get me a grey one for next week? <laughs> and I'm kind of going, I look at this guy going, I, I've got 20 pairs of socks to get through the season. Like, what do you want from me? Like, you know, but, you know, you get used to these kind of things. Then you, you kind of begin to kind of understand that, well, okay, footballers, even at that level, like to feel special. It's they're like you know they're almost like kind of you got to treat them like they're your girlfriend, you know you got to treat them like they're special. You got to kind of you know let them know that you're thinking about them. So <laughs> then it would be 
you'd get to know that lads like to wear certain kinds of shin guards. So you'd always keep a spare of that kind of shin guard at the bottom of your bag for the inevitable moment when they'd sit there wild eyed going, lads, has anyone got an Addy shin guard? I, 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 I don't know where I'm after. Oh, oh. Starting to hyperventilate and then you kind of, you know, whip it out and go, there you go, you're grand. And then it's like, <laughs> it, you know, it's almost like kissing it better, you know, but to be honest, I've been very lucky with the footballers that have, that have been involved with them, that they've all been fairly down to earth. There's been no mad kind of requests. There's been, there's one that used to insist, I mean, insist on wearing white undershorts with his black shorts. And I'd said right. to him each time, I said, look, I know you rolled them up and I know you generally can't see them, but one day a referee is going to spot them and he's going to make you take them off. <laughs> nah, he won't. It'll be grand. <laughs> But three weeks after that, we're playing the game. Lads are coming off at halftime. Referee calls me over. Your number seven's wearing white cycling shorts. Can we take them off? No. Oh, uh, uh, well, are you sure? Yes. He said he's been doing it all season, but I'm just sick of it now. And okay. <laughs> so I had to go at halftime. Manager's there giving his team talk. I waited until the team talk was over. Went up to him and said, please take your shorts off. I thought, what do you mean? It's referee spot them. If you come out second half with them, it's a yellow card. You're already on the yellow. Don't get sent off. <laughs> And it was like, like the poor lad, like it was like he didn't know what to do. He took them off and like, he says, Jesus, he says, he's walking out of the dressing room, sees referee and he says to him, he says, ref, he says, I took my shorts off, but if you get a slap in the eye at my lad, that's going to be your fault. <laughs> yes, anyway, lad being a euphemism for, anyway, yeah, so that's, so he's going commando for the second half in his shorts, but that's, that's just Aye. one of the, 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 the I suppose the, the the stranger things that that's actually actually happened at Longford, um, at Lone Town then it was a, a a different scenario altogether. Um, we went to at Lone Town, who again very traditional club. We wear blue and black striped shorts. We wear black shorts and black socks. We wear all white away from home. Okay, that's fine. And for the first season, it was like that, and I didn't get much input into into the kits. Main reason I didn't get much input into the kits is because. When a team says they wear blue and black stripes and they're wearing team wear and they've done a deal with a company, there's generally only one blue and black stripe shirt they can wear. It's not like they get to pick four or five different designs. It's like, well, that's the one they're getting. So, you know, that's why you wouldn't get a huge say on, on the actual shirt. It's no. bizarre, but that's that's the way it is. Uh, got to pick out all the training wear. So went to the lad and said, look, you know, you want to wear three quarter bottoms or you want to wear tracky bottoms? What do you want to wear? So we did all that. And, you know, that worked out okay, but. Um, what, I, what I found from that season onwards, this was 2012. Um, referees, I think they might have been awarded points every time they pissed the kit man off. Um, mm-hmm. Because we were playing Longford, of course, it would be Longford, in a, a, you know, a League Cup game. And I, we were at home, so I'd set out the black and blue home kit, knowing that Longford had thrown up in their yellow, blue and blue. And uh referee calls me into the room and he says, uh, uh, you're gonna have to change. I said, "Well, no, we're at home." He says, yeah. "You're gonna." Have to. I said, "Hang on, Longford are yellow and blue. Longford have decided, you know, to change your tradition, and they're now wearing yellow and blue stripes as their away kit. Still oh. yellow and blue." And he says, "Should they're yellow and blue, and their alternative is red and black? They both clash with yours. You're gonna have to change." So for the first time, God knows how how many years, we tugged out in all white at home, and I swear to God, it was like a death in the family. I had old lads coming up to me. Colin, what's going on? Why are we wearing white? We're at home. Did you not tell them? I went, yeah, but that's just the rules, you know. The, you know, and the rule is, if 
you know, the, the away team clashed with the home team, the home team must change. That's the rule. There's, yeah, there's no getting away from it. Like So So that happened to us on four or five occasions that season. And I just said, look, you know what, lads? I'm sick to death of this. Let's go for a lighter blue. So in 2013, we moved from Umbro to Joma. And uh, Joma had two striped shirts in their catalogue. And the one we chose was mainly blue, kind of a, a light royal blue is probably the best way to describe it with, with black stripes. Um so that kind of solved most of our problems. So we got through the entire season without having to change at home, apart from Longford Town in the League Cup. But uh-huh. yeah, but we won the league that year, so everyone is quite happy. Um, following year, then we were in the Premier Division. We splashed out and got a third kit. Oh, yeah. And uh, again, home kit was black and blue stripes. It was, it was the one that I'm giving out about on. Well, no, actually, the one before I'm giving out about on Twitter at the moment, the, the fading stripes one. It was kind of the solid version of that was really nice and uh, yeah. Club Bruges wore exactly the same shirt except we had a first <laughs> um, but uh, just you know due to the due to the fact that we're a summer season we start in March yeah. and they don't start whatever so um, we had that as our home kit and then we had um, the white shirt with the kind of the Finland kit that, that Nike had given uh, Finland their first and the white with the blue stripes that we had white with a black stripe again team wear and uh, we went nuts and we got an orange third kit and uh, of course, what happened? Uh, first home game of the season, the home kits hadn't arrived. We'd played Sligo Rovers away on the Saturday on the Saturday night, and uh, we wore our away kit in that game because we wanted, you know, we said, "Well, we'd wear the away kit for that anyway." So yeah. we wore the away kit. And uh, our first game in the Premier Division in I think it was seventeen or eighteen years against Shamrock Rovers we should have been absolutely fine wearing black and blue stripes against their green and white hoops. And uh, promised that the, the home kit would turn up on, you know, that week. Didn't materialize. And uh, we ended up wearing orange. And it was like, just people couldn't understand it. Like, they thought we were doing it on purpose. Like, orange? Is this a new kit? What's going on? Like, you know, what's happening? You're trying to explain to people, well, you know, you want to be kind of diplomatic about it at the same time. You don't want to say, ah, Nike screwed us over. You just say, ah, look, you know, there's an issue with the home kit. It's not ready yet. It's not technically released. You know, we're waiting on clearance to wear it. So... Uh, so yeah, so we ended up playing in orange in our in our home game. Never wore, never won a game in the orange kit, and that's that's a chant now down at Lone. So they have a, they have an orange away kit again this year for the first time in three years. But yeah, we, we never won a game in that orange kit, so it uh-huh. wasn't very popular. <laughs> and, and so that would have been the first time the side had ever worn orange as well. I take it. Absolutely, yeah. Up to then, it was black, blue stripes. Uh, they did go nuts one year. I think sometime in the early 90s they wore black but going back to when they were successful in the 80s it was actually a really light blue and black stripe they wore it was fantastic and I'd love to have been able to recreate but again it's just not something that you find in team wear so mm-hmm. it was kind of a, a really light blue with, with uh, black stripes and Fiat trucks on the front of it and uh, it was made by O'Neill's and it was just it's <laughs> one of my favourite kits I would have loved to have been able to re- reproduce it and I did suggest that we talk to O'Neill's and see if we can go back with them. And there was lots of shuffling of feet and murmuring towards the table, you know, that and, you know, there was an incident we can never go back. You know, okay, right, fair enough. So, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, so we ended up kind of, you know, in, in, in standard team wear. So it was, yeah, it was the first time that the club had ever worn orange. And uh, when we were deciding on the colour for the third kit, uh, it was the secretary that came up with it. He said, where do we go with orange? I went, orange is a bit mad. Yeah, let's go with orange. And of uh-huh. course, what I did was checked all the other clothes, made sure that nobody else wore orange. So I said, it won't clash with anything. It's great. Let's have that for a third kit. We'll, you know, we'll use it as a cup jersey as well. Of course, mm-hmm. got knocked out of the cup in the first round, but, you know. Um, but anyway, then of course, when you go to an away game in particular, 
you're dealing with the vagaries of of different clubs and what they let you do and what they don't let you do. Um, I won't mention the club, but who wear a particular colour kit, and it clashed with our kit, so we turned up. We set up in white. I walked into the other team's dressing room. They're set up in their home kit as well, so we're okay. 15 minutes before the kits are due to be assessed by the referee, which is an hour before kickoff, um, I'm walking past their dressing room and I see they've got a white shirt hanging up. I said to their kit man, what's the story with white? And he goes, ah, just decided to wear it tonight. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So, luckily enough, I had, obviously I'd bring all three kits with us, so I had the home kit, hung the home kit up and uh, brought the home kit into the referee and the referee looks at me and goes, uh, well, no, no, you can't wear your home kit. They're, they're, they're wearing their home kit. I said, no, no, they've decided to wear white. Oh, no, they haven't. Walked in to the dressing room, said to your man, what's the story? I had changed my mind again. We're going with the home kit. Mm-hmm. And funnily enough, I'd been warned about this particular club by you know somebody else who'd said, look, you know, these guys will just mess with you. They'll just mess with you. Thinking that you may not have the other kit with you. Because actually, there's a story of you. Um, in 2007, yes, 2000, 2006, 2007, Bohemians had four different kits. We made sure they were given four kits. And the reason for that was their home kit, red and black stripes, black shorts, black socks, away kit, white shirt, blue sleeves, white shorts, white socks. We knew that certain grounds where teams wore blue, the floodlights weren't great, and sometimes referee asked, you know, the away team wearing a dark colour to change as well. We also knew that white with blue sleeves wouldn't fly, so we gave them a yellow shirt. And we also gave them a blue and black striped shirt for reasons that we had them. <laughs> that was it. But the point is, they had four different kids. They turned up to play Waterford United, who were also Diodora, who had three kids. Between the two teams, they had seven kids. Right? And uh, there was the game was delayed by 45 minutes while they decided tried to decide who was going to wear what kit. The referee had told Bohemians, you can't wear the home kit. It's too close to the, you know, it's too dark, same as the, the Waterford kit. Uh, wear your away kit. They brought out the white and blue kit. No, it's got blue sleeves. So the rule then is the home team should change. The home team brought out their white away kit and said, we're not wearing that. <laughs> so uh-huh. so I'm, I was kind of, when I hear this, I said, okay, at what point did Bose say they'd wear the yellow kit? They didn't bring it. They brought the two kits and that was it. I kind of thought, well, after that, I said, if I was ever a kit man, I'd make sure I brought absolutely everything I could. So I always did. I always brought absolutely everything I had just in case. But it just shows that in the League of Ireland, kit clashes are just something that's just, you just don't know the day nor the error. So be prepared. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's something that I've heard a lot. and It, it gets mentioned on Twitter quite a lot because there is a an inordinate amount of uh, kit clashes in, in League of Ireland. And, and kit clashes that this team that tend to go ahead as well, where they're where they're unfortunately not wearing the ideal kits that they should be wearing in each game. So it's uh it's a pity. Um, yeah, must try harder. I think. Yeah, that's. I mean, how hard is it to, to look at the other seven teams? What's their home kit? Yeah, what do they normally wear away from home? Okay, and work it out from there. It's it's not you know it's not like you're trying to cover every eventuality. Like you've you know there's seven other teams three or four of which were blue. You know, it's not, it really isn't, it's not difficult at the start of the season to sit down and say, well, what colours won't clash with them? Anyway, but uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 I have heard that. Um, so, naturally, there is a, there's a draw for you to come, to go back into it, isn't there? With all these horror stories 
you you've, you're getting that itch again that you want to go back to it surely 100 percent. oh yeah <laughs> look i mean if it, the way it works it's, it's it's horrible it's almost like managing a team being a kid man you're waiting on somebody to to leave or to decide they don't want to do it anymore or you're waiting on a manager to leave and from to bring his kit man with him in the hope that you get mm-hmm. a call or that you might even be able to make a call but it's 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 kind of cutthroat it's it's you know like i'm a kit man without a team therefore i'm not a kit man um i want to be i do want to go back into it um but kind of have to wait for there's only 20 clubs in the league of ireland probably feasibly from you know where i'm living there's maybe 14 of them that we feel uh i kind of have to wait for one of them to, to actually need one or to actually want one enough to do then happy days that'll be yeah i'll be back on this time next year moaning about referees and moaning about other clubs <laughs> and moaning about everything else but yeah at least i'll be happy yeah okay here's something else for you to moan about or, or maybe not i might i might be wrong um th- what do you think of the new island kits for the euros um I love the idea that they're different. I love that Umbro have actually done something different. Um, instead of just a tailored approach and a bland green shirt with a bit of white trim and the logo on it, and oh look at this lovely shiny technology. Um, I don't like the shirts though, um, <laughs> but I do. I do like the idea that they've actually said no, we're going to do something different. I do like the fact they've added orange. I do like the fact they've put in the kind of shade stripes, if that's the right way to put it. You know, the, the diagonal shade stripes that they actually have on the shirt. Um, yeah. I think they could have done without the white bit on the side. I think maybe just a bit of orange trim or, or you know, I think with the green, the white and the orange is too much. I think it would have been better with just green and orange. I think it would have looked really strong with white shorts because we wear white shorts and that might have looked a bit odd, but if you put orange trim in it, and green socks with orange, even in the same style, but just leave out the white. I think it would have been very different, and I think it would have been striking. Um, mm. The away kit, if Everton hadn't had it last season or the season before, as a standalone kit, I liked it. Um, when I realised Everton had it <laughs> uh, beforehand and it was kind of recycled, and I kind of went, meh, well, okay then. Um, the the grey kit, which is now the third kit, I loved I just thought it was mental. I thought it was like, what are you thinking? It's just absolutely mental. I aesthetically, you know, the grey colour is never a great colour for a football kit, but I just really liked it. I just thought it worked. I thought it, it looked so different to anything else that was out there. I mean, on one hand, I can't moan about all the Nike teams looking the same. And then when Umbro do something mental, complain about that as well. So I think they the grey kit was a very brave kit. Not very practical, but very brave. The white kit only came about and they realized they wouldn't be allowed to wear the gray it was an afterthought um so i think they did well if that if it was an afterthought well it shouldn't have been but you know it was a good recovery um and the home kit yeah i like the orange on it i'd, I'd have done it without the white just see what it would look like just green with just just take out the white altogether and just just leave the orange bits and just see what that looked like uh what about the other kits for the euros the Ike we've touched on is there anything else that stands out for you Yes, Switzerland. Absolutely love the white Switzerland shirt. Again, okay. it's different. It reminds me of the Blackie Switzerland kit of the 80s. Um, Blackie were this bizarre brand that, that seemed to not cut and sew, as in it starts out as a white shirt, and then they get these printing papers and put a design on it, and then the printing papers get heat-pressed onto the shirt. So the design and all the logos are actually in the material of the 
Jordan. Yeah. Um, and it looked mental. It was the Swiss cross with kind of white and black. Um, so I like the, the white Switzerland kit. I really, I really do. Um, the Puma template kits are nice, but they're template talking Slovakia, you know, teams like that. Yeah. Um, I don't know what's going on with Austria or white, black, white. I, th- I always thought that was their colours, but their home this time around is red, white, red. And they kind of look like, look a little bit like Switzerland, but, you know, just looks a bit bizarre. Um, the Adidas kits, it's a mixed bag, really, isn't it? Um, the, uh, I like the Germany kit. I think it's very German. Uh, should have white socks, though. Very German kit and looks looks okay. They um, can... Um... They could wear the, the goalkeeper socks, I think, are the, the exact same template. So and they're in white, oh. so they could. If they wanted oh. to wear them, then they could wear the white socks right. and the goalkeeper kit, I think. Yeah. I think I think a Jeremy kit should have white socks, but Yeah. Um you know, the rest of the Adidas kits, I mean Scotland don't know what's going on there with the white sleeves. I just you know, I just Northern Ireland with the navy blue sleeves again, you know, like I don't know what's happening there. That's just mental and not in a good way. Um, Ukraine kids come in for a lot of stick, but I like it. I like the kind of the funny tartan print on the front of it. Um, yeah. It's relatively simple kit, but you know, people don't like it. They just look at it and go, yeah, it's horrible. But I don't know. I think it's okay. Um, mm. The Nike kits. <laughs> I, you know, like if you've seen one, you've seen them all. And, and that, I mean, that should never be, this is the Europe, Championships, you have France and England, you know, reversed. Um, to have England in white shorts and red socks and kind of a I don't know what color blue you'd call that sleeve, it just for me it kind of gone like, hang on, this isn't England. England wear white shorts, navy blue shorts, and white socks. How difficult is that? It just, it, I'm looking at it, I'm just going, no, that's not an England kit. It's just, it's just not. It's just, yeah, it's, it's just something that I look at and I go, really red socks as a home kit. Like, it just, um, Portugal in, I don't know, kind of an all red ensemble with, again, different color socks. I can't remember, like green socks or something? Green socks possibly, but it just, for yeah. me, this this Nike template just, no, it's just wrong. Yeah. It just doesn't, it doesn't do anything for me. And, and, and the execution of them, if you had the England kit in white, an off-white sleeve, if they, if they really want to do the sleeves in different colors, but, you know, have the navy blue shorts and the white socks. It may not be too bad at all. It's just I think with the white shorts and red socks, it just doesn't look like an England kit. And I just look at it and go, "Yeah, no, it's 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 not for me." Yeah, oh, that's a good idea. I think um, maybe a, a white shirt with, as you say, off-white sleeves, maybe off-white because all white for England. I think people have have, have come round to that way of thinking. So England can wear all white as well as as white shirt navy shorts and white socks but uh maybe if they had uh, off-white sleeves off-white shorts and then normal white socks with off-white tops or something that could have worked as well but but yeah nike nike do what they like i suppose well that's it as as i said earlier it's you know the the one word that strikes me but but nike this year is conform and i mean for a brand that always go out and kind of you know tell you to to be the best you can be and to be individual and to be different. It just, it just kind of, I don't know, I'm just sitting there going, but like all the teams are wearing the same kits. Like, so we're now conforming. That's what we're doing. It's just conform to an ideal. And this is what kit should look like, but everyone has to conform to it. And it's just bewildering to be honest, but sure. People will still buy them and like, you'll still make bucket loads of money and I'll still be sitting here, you know, poor as church mouse going. 
Oh well, not to worry. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, I um, I, I've seen people wearing it. I I, I was I was uh, sitting in a house the other day and I was looking out the window and I saw in about a space of ten minutes I saw two people walk by with the England shirt on, the England away shirt on, and I, I just couldn't believe it that that the things actually selling. But you, you just you retail anything you've got a tournament coming up people will buy it i suppose so and that's the way it is i mean and as well as that you see i sometimes think that maybe you and i and, and you know guys like us have a bit of a jaundice view of of some of these kits we we maybe overanalyze it we maybe look at it and think of, of well if they've done this instead or you know well i don't understand why they did that whereas they, yeah. just, they just want to kind of you know it's an england short it's a tournament coming up yeah that that sounds about right um uh, this has been great, Colin. Thanks so much for coming on. Um, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, just to give out some information, you're on Twitter, Colin J. Ford with an E. That's correct, isn't it? That's correct, yes, indeed. And you can follow my idle ramblings about football kits and food usually on that. Okay, just uh, some other other bits of uh, news or certain things I need to get through. I've just seen that Zlatan Ibrahimovic has just released his new range, his own specific sports range i don't know what that means or what it's in aid of but i think he's made a lot of hints towards uh playing for manchester united so when this is published and people are listening to this obviously you, you're probably well aware that he's uh he's signed for manchester united but that's just an interesting thing the reason i bring it up is that it was part designed by jason lee who we've uh former adidas designer uh, now a freelance designer who we had on this podcast of a little while ago a few months ago now i suppose so that was quite interesting um chris oakley uh, who took over this podcast while I was away. He did a fantastic job uh, talking about 70s kits with John Devlin. So thanks to John as well. Uh, Chris Oakley is on Twitter uh, as Chris Oakley. He's also on there as Kitblist tw- uh, 2016. He's got the Kitblist website, which is fantastic as well. And John Devlin, True Colors Kits on Twitter, but people probably know this sort of stuff. Uh, so again, thank you, Colin. Thanks for coming on. Uh, everyone should visit the website. We're Design Football dot com uh design football on twitter and designfootball.com on facebook uh so go and have a look at the website give us a shout on all those things uh and check out what's going on there and i'm j29 is on twitter if you want to speak to me but thanks again colin thanks for coming on and i'll speak to you soon thanks very much jay look forward to it cheerio cheers colin thanks a lot for that Hi, my name is Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic, and I'm excited to talk to you about Club Med. Club Med operates beach and mountain resorts and is the best all-inclusive getaway for families. They have Club Med Punta Cana, their flagship family resort, and many other options in Mexico, the Caribbean, and around the world. Club Med are the pioneers of the all-inclusive concept, which is the best way to vacation. Great for families, groups, or even solo travelers looking for land and water sports, delicious food and a place to make unforgettable memories. Visit clubmed.us, call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor.